titled Foundation. Foundation and Empire, Second Foundation. Author, Isaac Asimov. Part number two. Part title, The Mayors. Encyclopedia Galactica, 116th edition. Entry, The Four Kingdoms. The name given to those portions of the province of Anacreon, which broke away from the First Empire in the early days of the Foundation era to form independent and short-lived kingdoms. The largest and most powerful of these was Anacreon itself. Undoubtedly, the most interesting aspect of the Four Kingdoms involved the strange society forced temporarily upon it during the administration of Salvor Hardin. The deputation's on the way, Hardin. You'd better come in, Lee. I need one person on my side of the fence. I don't see why we need waste time with them. They can't do anything until the next election. Legally, anyway. That gives us a year. Give them a brush off, Lee. You'll never learn. In the 30 years I've known you, you've never once learned the gentle art of sneaking up from behind. <laughs> Not my way of fighting. Yes, I know that. I suppose that's why you're the one man I trust. Come a long way since we engineered the coup against the encyclopedists. Mm. Getting old. 52. Do you ever think how fast those 20 years went? Oh, I don't feel old. And I'm 56. Yes, but I don't have your digestion. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, they're here. Where will you see them? Here. Oh, you're making them too important. Why go through all the ceremonies of an official mayor's audience? I'm getting too old for all that red tape. Besides which, flattery is useful when you're dealing with the youngsters, particularly when it doesn't commit you to anything. Uh, sit down, please. Give me your moral backing. <sighs> I'll need it with this young fellow, Sermak. Sermak's dangerous, Harding. He's got quite a following. Don't underestimate him. Have I ever underestimated anybody? Well, then, have him arrested. You can charge him with something later. Here they are. Ah, come in, gentlemen. Councilman Sermak, I've been anxious to see you ever since your very excellent speech last month. Your attack on the foreign policy of this government was a most capable one. Your interest honours me. The attack may or may not have been capable, but it was certainly justified. Perhaps. You're entitled to your opinions, of course. Still, you are rather young. It is a fault that most people are guilty of at some point in their lives. <laughs> you became mayor of the city when you were two years younger than I am now. Yeah, I take it that you've come to see me now about the same foreign policy that annoyed you so greatly in the council chamber. Are you speaking for your colleagues, or must I listen to each of you separately? I speak for the people of Terminus, who are not truly represented in the rubber stamp body called the council. I see. Go ahead. It comes to this, Mr. Mayor. We are dissatisfied... By we? Uh, I take it you mean the people. I believe that my views represent the majority of the voters on Terminus. Yes, sir. Does that suit you? Well, a statement like that's always the better for proof, but uh, continue. You are dissatisfied. Yes. We are dissatisfied with the policy which for 20 years has been stripping Terminus defenseless against the inevitable attack from outside. I see. Therefore, 
It's nice of you to anticipate. And therefore, we are forming a new political party. One that will stand for the immediate needs of Terminus, and not for some mystic manifest destiny of future empire. We are going to throw you and your clique out of City Hall. Unless? There's always an unless, you know. Not much of one in this case. Unless you resign now. I'm not asking you to change your policies. I wouldn't trust you that far. Your promises are worth nothing. An outright resignation is all we'll take. I see. That's your ultimatum. Well, nice of you to give me warning. But you see, I rather think that I shall ignore it. Don't think it was a warning, Mr. Mayor. It was an announcement of principles and action. The new party has already been formed, and it will begin its official activities tomorrow. There is neither room nor desire for compromise. And, frankly, it was only our recognition of your services to the city that induced us to offer you the easy way out. I didn't think you'd take it, but now my conscience is clear. The next election will be a more forcible and quite irresistible reminder that resignation is necessary. Good morning. Oh, hold on! Sit down. In exactly what way do you want our foreign policy change? I mean, do you want us to attack the four kingdoms now, at once, simultaneously? It is our simple proposition that all appeasement must cease immediately. Throughout your administration, you have carried out a policy of scientific aid to the kingdoms. You have given them atomic power. You have helped rebuild power plants on their territories. You have established medical clinics, chemical laboratories, and factories. Well, what's your objection? You have done this in order to stop them attacking us. With these as bribes, you have been playing a colossal game of blackmail, in which you have allowed Terminus to be sucked dry, with the result that we are now at the mercy of these barbarians. In what way? Because you have given them power, given them weapons, actually serviced the ships of their navies, they are infinitely stronger than they were two decades ago. Their demands are increasing, and with their new weapons, they will eventually satisfy all their demands at once by violent annexation of Terminus. Isn't that the way that blackmail usually ends? Of course. And your remedy? Stop the bribes immediately, while you still can. Spend your effort in strengthening Terminus itself, and attack first. Are you finished? For the moment. Well, then, uh, do you notice the maxim on the wall behind me? Violence is the last refuge of the incompetent. An old man's doctrine, Mr. Mayor. Now, I applied it as a young man, Mr. Councilman, and successfully. You were probably busy being born when it happened, but perhaps you may have read something of it when you were at school. Anacreon then, as now the most powerful of the four kingdoms, demanded and actually established a military base upon Terminus. And the then rulers of the city, the encyclopedists, knew very well that this was only a preliminary to taking over the entire planet. That is how matters stood when I... Uh, assumed actual government. What would you have done? Well, that's an academic question. Of course, I know what you did. But perhaps you don't get the point. The temptation was great to muster what force we could put up a fight. What I did instead was to visit the three other kingdoms one by one, point out to each that to allow the secret of atomic power to fall into the hands of Anacreon was the quickest way of cutting their own throats and suggest gently that they do the obvious thing, that was all. One month after the Anacreonian force had landed on Terminus, their king received an ultimatum from his three neighbors, and in seven days, the last Anacreonian was off Terminus. 
Now tell me, where was the need for violence? I fail to see the analogy. You still seem unable to grasp the fundamental necessities of our position. Our problems weren't over with the departure of the Anacreonians. They'd just begun. The four kingdoms were more our enemies than ever, for each wanted atomic power, and each was kept off our throats only for fear of the other three. We were balanced on the point of a very sharp sword. The slightest sway in any direction, if, for instance, one kingdom becomes too strong, or if two form a coalition. You understand? Certainly. That was the time to begin all-out preparations for war. That was the time to begin all-out prevention. I played them one against the other. I helped each in turn. I offered them science, trade, education, medicine. I made Terminus more valuable to them as a flourishing world than as a military prize. It has worked for 20 years. Yes, but you were forced to surround these scientific gifts with the most outrageous mummery. You've made half religion, half balderdash out of it. You've erected a hierarchy of priests and complicated, meaningless rituals. What of it? I started that way at first because the barbarians looked upon our science as a sort of magical sorcery. It was easier to get them to accept it on that basis. It's a minor matter. But these priests are in charge of the power plants. That's not a minor matter. True, but we've trained them. Their operational knowledge is purely empirical. And they have a firm belief in the mummery that surrounds them. But if someone breaks through the mummery, what is to prevent him learning actual techniques and selling out to the most satisfactory bidder? What price our value of the kingdoms then? No chance of that, sir. The best men on the planets of the kingdoms are sent here to Terminus each year and are educated into the priesthood. And the best of these remain here as research students. If you think that those who return with the distorted knowledge the priests receive can penetrate a bound to atomic power... You have a very romantic and foolish idea of science. Mr. Mayor, a message for you. Thank you. Set it up on the scanner. In short, gentlemen, the government is of the opinion that it knows what it is doing. Thank you. Clear the message. And that gentleman concludes the interview. Thank you for coming. Well, Lee, how far do you think he'll go? I'm not sure. But treat him with kid gloves and he's quite liable to win the next election, just as he says. Oh, quite likely. Very likely. If nothing happens first. Cermak has a following. What if he doesn't wait until the next election? There was a time when you and I put things through violently, despite your slogan about what violence is. Ours was a necessary measure, put through at the proper moment and went over smoothly, painlessly, and all but effortlessly. As for Cermak, he's up against a different proposition. You and I, Lee, aren't the encyclopedists. <laughs> we stand prepared. However, put your men onto these uh, youngsters in a nice way. You're... Don't let them know they're being watched. <laughs> Sir Mac and his men have been under surveillance for a month now. All right. <laughs> By the way, Ambassador Verisov is returning from Anacreon. Was that the message? Yes. Are things breaking already? I don't know. I can't tell until I've heard what Verisov has to say. They may be, though. What are you looking so worried about? 
Because I don't know how it's going to turn out. You're too deep, Hardin. And you're playing the game too close to your chest. <laughs> and how was the trip? That is all. Interesting. There was a priest in the next cabin who, on his way here, to take a course in the preparation of radioactive synthetics for the treatment of cancer. Surely he didn't call it radioactive synthetics? <laughs> Certainly not. To him it was the holy food. <laughs> he inveigled me into a theological discussion. Did his level best to elevate me out of my sordid materialism. Well, I never recognized his own high priest. Without my crimson robe? <laughs> Besides, he was a Smyrnian. It was an interesting experience, though. It's remarkable, Hardin, how the religion of science has caught on. Uh, I've written an essay on the subject. Really? Well, entirely for my own amusement. wouldn't do to have it published. Treating the problem sociologically, it would seem that when the old empire began to rot at the fringes, science, as science, failed the outer world. To be re-accepted, it would have to present itself in another guise, and it has done just that. Oh, it works out beautifully when you use symbolic logic to help out. Interesting. Now, what about the situation on Anacreon? Bad. Obviously. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. Mm. Here's the position. The key man on Anacreon is the Prince Regent Vinus. He's King Lepo's uncle. I know. But Leopold is coming of age soon, isn't he? Yes, if he lived. His father died under suspicious circumstances. A needle bullet through the chest during a hunt. It was called an accident. Yes. I remember Vinus when I was on Anacreon, or before your time. Let's see now. If I remember, he was a dark young man. Black hair and a squint in his right eye. And he had a hooked nose. <laughs> That's him. The hook and the squint are still there, but his hair's grey now. He plays the game dirty. Luckily, he's the most egregious fool on the planet. But he has unlimited self-confidence. Probably an overcompensated inferiority complex. Younger sons of royalty get that way, you know. That amounts to the same thing. He's foaming at the mouth with eagerness to attack the foundation. Scarcely troubles to conceal it. And he's in a position to do it, too, from the standpoint of armament. The old king built up a magnificent navy. Vinus hasn't been exactly sleeping the last couple of years. All right, then. I've got the background. What has actually happened? Well, two weeks ago, an Anacreonian merchant ship came across a derelict cruiser of the old Imperial Navy. Must have been drifting in space for at least three centuries. Yes, I heard about it. The Board of Navigation has sent me a petition asking me to obtain the ship for the purposes of study. It's in good condition, I understand. In entirely good condition. When Vinus received your suggestion last week that he turn the ship over to the Foundation, he almost had convulsion. Hasn't answered. He won't, except with guns. You see... He came to me on the day I left Anacreon and requested that the Foundation put this battle cruiser into fighting order and turn it over to the Anacreonian Navy. He had the infernal gall to say that your note of last week indicated a plan of the Foundation to attack Anacreon. Oh. He said that a refusal to repair the cruiser would only confirm his suspicions and indicated that measures for the self-defense of Anacreon would be forced upon him. Of course, he expects a refusal. That would be a perfect excuse in his eyes for a beaded attack. Well, we have at least six months to spare. So have the ship fixed up, presented with my compliments. Have it 
renamed the Venus as a mark of our esteem and affection. <laughs> I suppose it's a logical step. And I'm still worrying. What about? That ship's cubic capacity is half again that of the entire Anacreonian Navy. It's got atomic power, blasts capable of blowing up a planet, and a shield that can take a cube beam without working up radiation. Superficial, very soft. Superficial. You and I both know that the armament Venus has now could defeat Terminus. Long before we could repair the cruiser for our own use. Well, what does it matter, then, if we give him the cruiser as well? You know it won't ever come to actual war. Well, I suppose not, but... Look, <clears throat> this isn't anything to do with me, I know. But I've been watching the Visicasts. What's all this about a group of councilmen forming a new political party? Oh, look, Harleen, I know that you're in better touch with internal matters than I am. But they're attacking you with everything short of physical violence. How strong are they? Strong? Probably control the council after the next election. Not before. There are ways of gaining control besides election. Who do you take me for? Vinus? No, but repairing the ship will take months. And an attack after that is certain. The addition of the Imperial cruiser will just about double the strength of their navy. They're bound to attack. So why take chances? Either reveal the plan of campaign to the council... Or force the issue with an Acrian now. That's the one thing I mustn't do. There's hardly Selden and a plan, you know. I'm absolutely sure, then, that there is a plan. Well, there can scarcely be any doubt. Now, I was present at the opening of the time vault, and Selden's recording revealed it then. No, I didn't mean that, Harley. I just don't see how it could be possible to chart history for a thousand years ahead. Maybe Selden overestimated himself. Well, I'm no psychologist. Exactly. None of us are. But I did receive some elementary training in my youth, enough to know what psychology is capable of, even if I can't exploit his capabilities myself. There is no doubt that Selden did what he claims to have done. Well, everybody knows the way things are supposed to go, but can we afford to take chances? Can we risk the present for the sake of a, of a nebulous future? We must, because the future isn't nebulous. It's been calculated by Selden and charted. He said in the time vault that at each crisis our freedom of action will become circumscribed to the point where only one course of action was possible. So as to keep us on the straight and narrow? Yes. But conversely, so long as more than one course of action is possible, the crisis has not been reached. We must let things drift so long as we possibly can, and that's what I intend doing. I would rather not have told you about this. Why not? Because there are now six people... You and I, other three ambassadors, and Johan Lee, who have a fair notion of what's ahead. And I'm certain it was Selden's idea to have no one know. Why, sir? Because Selden wanted us to proceed blindly, according to the law of mob psychology. As I once told you, I never knew where we were heading when I drove out the Anacreonians. My idea had been to maintain the balance of power, no more than that. It was only afterwards that I thought I saw a pattern in events. But I've done my level best not to act on that notch. Action due to foresight would have interfered with the plan. Then how do you expect to spot the right moment for action? It's spotted already. You admit that once we repair the battle cruiser, nothing will stop Vinus from attacking us? There will no longer be any alternative in that respect? Yes. All right. That accounts for the external aspect. You'll further admit that the next election will see a new and hostile council that will force action against the Nacrian? There is no alternative there. No. So, as soon as the alternatives disappear, 
The crisis has come. I see. There's one thing that worries me. I've got the idea, it's just a notion, that the external and internal pressures were planned to come to a head simultaneously. As it is, there's a few months' difference. Vinus will probably attack in six months, but the elections are still a year off. Is six months' difference that important? I don't know. Anyway, there's one thing I have decided. What's that? When the crisis does begin to break, I'm going to be on an atrium. Climb into the sun. And over. I catch him under the wing. Got him. Up he goes. Have a dive. Will he dive? Yes, here he comes. And... Got him! Thank you. I think that makes uh, 46. Correct, Your Majesty. Perhaps 50 before you come of age. 50 Nyaks before... Leopold, come back to the palace immediately. There are more important things than Nyak hunting now. But, Uncle... Do as I say. <laughs> What do you want that is so important? I've been to the ship. What ship? There is only one ship. The one the Foundation is repairing for the Navy. The old Imperial Cruiser. Do I make myself sufficiently plain? No, that one. You see, I told you the Foundation would repair it if we asked them to. It was all poppycock, you know. That story of yours about them wanting to attack us. Lepold, you're a fool. Well, now, look here. I don't think you ought to call me that. You forget yourself. I'll be of age in two months, you know. <laughs> and you're in a fine state to assume regal responsibilities. If you spent half the time on public affairs that you spent on hunting, I'd resign the regency now, and with a clear conscience. Well, I don't care. That has nothing to do with the case. The fact is that even though you are my uncle and the regent, I'm still the king. You oughtn't to call me a fool, and you oughtn't to sit in my presence. You haven't asked my permission. Uh, may I refer to you as your majesty? Yes. Very well. You're a fool, your majesty. Oh, I'm sorry, Leopold. Shouldn't have spoken harshly. But I know that your youthful spirits are impatient of the dry detail of statecraft. Well, that's all right. However, you will come of age in two months. Moreover, in the difficult times of the coming... You'll have to take a full and active part. You will be king henceforward, Leopold. Yes, uncle. There will be war, Leopold. War? This has been a truce with Smyrna. Not with Smyrna. With the foundation itself. But, uncle, they've agreed to repair the ship. You said... Leopold, there is to be war with the foundation whether the ship is repaired or not. The foundation is the source of all power and might. All the greatness of Anacreon. Its ships, its cities, its people, its commerce depends on the dribbles and leavings of power that the Foundation have given us. It seems to me we should be grateful. Grateful? Lepo, you will be king of Anacre. Your children may be the kings of the universe if you have the power that the Foundation is keeping from us. Hmm, there's something in that. After all, what right have they to keep it to themselves? It's not fair, you know. Anacreon counts for something, too. Ah. It seems that you're beginning to understand. And now, my boy, 
What if Smyrno decides to attack the foundation on its own part, and thus gains all the power? How long do you think we could escape becoming a vassal state? How long would you hold on to your throne? You're absolutely right, you know. We must strike first. It's simply self-defense. When do we strike? Not immediately. First, we must wait for the repairs of the battle cruiser to be completed. The mere fact that they're willing to undertake them uh, proves that they're fierce. The fools attempt to placate us. But we are not to be turned from our path, are we? Not while I'm king of Anacreon. Besides which, we must wait for Salva Hardin to arrive. Salva Hardin? Yes, Lippo. The leader of the foundation is coming to Anacreon himself for your birthday. Salva Hardin? Are you afraid of the name? It's the same Salva Hardin who on his previous visit ground our noses into the dust. You're not forgetting that deadly insult to the royal house from a common? Well, no. I, I won't forget. We'll pay him back. But I'm afraid a little... Afraid? Of what? Of what? It would be sort of um, blasphemous to attack the Foundation. Oh. I mean, if there really were a galactic spirit... Oh. Well, it might like it, don't you think? No, I don't. And so you really bother your head a great deal over the galactic spirit, do you? You've been listening to Beresov. Well, he did explain a great deal. About the galactic spirit? Yes. Why, <laughs> he believes in that mummery a good deal less than I do. And I don't believe in it at all. How many times have you been told that all this talk is just nonsense? Well, I know that, but Beresov... Beresov says, damnation to Beresov. It's nonsense. Everyone believes it just the same. About the prophet Harry Seldon and how he appointed the foundation to carry on his commandments that there might someday be a return to the earthly paradise and how anyone who disobeys his commandments will be destroyed for eternity. They believe in it. I presided at festivals. I'm sure they do. Yes, they do. But we don't. According to them, you are king by divine right and are semi-divine yourself. Very handy. It eliminates all possibilities of revolts and ensures absolute obedience in everything. And that is why, Leopold, you must take an active part in ordering the war against the Foundation. I am only regent and quite human. You are king and more than half a god. Am I? No, not really. But you are to everyone but the people of the Foundation. Once they're out of the way, there'll be no one to deny you the godhead. And after that, will we ourselves be able to operate the power boxes of the temples and the ships that fly without men and the holy food that cures cancer and all the rest? I mean, very soft said... Very soft said. Very soft, Mr. Silver Harding, is your greatest enemy. Stick with me, Leopold. Don't worry about them. Together we will recreate the empire. Not just the kingdoms of Anacreon, but one comprising every one of the billions of sons of the galaxy. That better than their earthly paradise? Yes. Can't Verisoft promise more? No. Anywhere. Ah, I suppose that we may consider the matter settled, Your Majesty. Now get along. I'll be done later. Oh, just one thing, Lippo. Uh, yes, Uncle? Now do be careful when you're out hunting. Since your father's unfortunate accident, I have the strangest presentiments. You will be careful, I hope. And uh, you'll... Uh, do as I say about the foundation, won't you? Yes, certainly. Good.
Gentlemen, may I present Louis Bort. Bort, this is Doko Valto. How do you do? And this is Len Taki. How are you? Delighted to meet you both. Now do sit down. Uh, you both know how active Bort has been within the party. Yes, of course. Uh, what you don't know is that for the last six months, he has been on an acrium seeing what he can find out. I don't have a rosy report for you. In fact, I'm afraid our position is a lost cause. You think so? It's gone past Cope's stomach. There's no room for any other opinion. Why? It's the attitude of the people. My original idea was to foster some sort of palace rebellion and install as king someone more favorable to the foundation. Unfortunately, that's impossible. And Salvor Hardin has seen to that. How do you mean? The religion that Hardin and the foundation has established works. All you see here is a large training school for the priesthood that occasionally puts on a special show for the pilgrims. But that's all. The whole business hardly affects us. But on Anacreon... What kind of religion is it? Hardin's always said that it was just to get them to accept our science without question. Hardin's explanations don't always mean much at face value, Taki. Ethically, morally, it's fine. It scarcely varies from the philosophies of the old empire. But that's not all. It's built on strictly authoritarian lines. And the priesthood has sole control over the instruments we have given Anacreon. They believe in this religion entirely. And in the uh, spiritual value of the power they handle. They form a hierarchy at the apex of which is the king, who is regarded as a sort of minor god. He's an absolute monarch, and the people believe it completely, as do the priests. You can't overthrow a king like that. Now, hold on, hold on. You've said that Hardin has done all this. How? The foundation has fostered this delusion. We've put all our scientific backing behind this hoax with the side effect that Hardin himself is virtually a god to the Anacreonians. And he's, he's semi-holy, uh, above even their high priest. Oh, what? Barry's not doing that. Is he blind, too? There was a time when he was a convinced actor. I don't know what he's doing. He's, he's high priest to them. But he seems to be a figurehead. There's something odd about it all. Is Hardin such a fool? Seems to be. Oh, there's something wrong. To cut our own throats so thoroughly and so hopelessly would require colossal stupidity. On the one hand, to establish a religion that would wipe out all chance of internal troubles, and on the other, to arm them. I don't see it. The matter is a little obscure. But the facts are there. What else can we think? Outright treason. He's in their pay. No, I don't see that either. Tell me, Bort, did you hear anything about a battle cruiser that the Foundation is supposed to have put into shape for the use of the Anacreonian Navy? No. The Navy yards are religious sanctuaries. No one ever hears anything about the fleet. Well, rumours have leaked out. Some of the party have brought the matter up in council, and Hardin never denied it. It might have significance. All of a piece with the rest, if true, it's absolutely crazy. He must have something, some, some secret weapon. Yes, a huge jack-in-the-box that will leap out at the psychological moment and scare Vinist to death. <laughs> if we have to rely on a secret weapon, we might as well blow ourselves out of existence here and now and save ourselves the agony of suspense. Then what it boils down to is this. Gort, how much time do we have? I don't know. They never mention the Foundation. The entire media are given over to the approaching celebrations. Uh, what celebration? Leopold comes of age next week. Well, we have months then. That gives us time. It gives us no time at all. I've told you that the king is a god. Do you suppose that he has to carry on a campaign of propaganda to get his people into a fighting spirit? When the time comes, Leopold gives the order and the people fight. He may give the order tomorrow, for all I know. Servac! What is it, Norath? What's happened? Hardin going to Anacreon. What? It's true. It was on the Visicaster just now. Oh, so, well, so. You're right. Hardin sold us out. That leaves us no choice. I'm going to ask the council tomorrow that Hardin be impeached.
It's going to look bad, Hardin. They're going to say you're sneaking away. Let them. I've got to get to Anacreon. I want to do it with the minimum of fuss. You know that Sir Mac called for your impeachment in the city council yesterday? He had a perfect right to do so. And nevertheless, his motion was defeated. Yes. By a majority of 22. And we counted on a minimum of 60. Oh. It was close. Very. And after the vote, 59 members of the Actionist Party walked out of the chamber. But not until Sir Mac had denounced you as a traitor. And said that the council had condoned your treason. But that the name of his party wasn't Actionist for nothing. Now, what does that sound like? Trouble. And now you're chasing off at daybreak like a criminal. You ought to face them, Hardin. And if you have to, declare martial law. Violence is the last refuge of, of the... the incompetent. Yes, I know. Twenty years ago, the time vault opened. On the 50th anniversary of the beginning of the Foundation. And Hardy Selden gave us our first idea of what was really going on. I remember. I was there. Well, that was during our first crisis. This is our second. And three weeks from today will be the 70th anniversary of the Foundation. Does that strike you as in any way significant? You mean he's coming again? Selden never said anything about returning. But it's of a piece with the whole plan. He's always done his best to keep all foreknowledge from us. And there's no way of telling whether the radium lock is set for further opening short of dismantling the vault. I've been there every anniversary since the first appearance, just on the off chance. He's never appeared. But this is the first time since then that there has been a crisis. Then he'll come. Maybe. I don't know. But this is what I want you to do. Today's session of the council, just after you announced that I'd left for Anacron, you will further announce officially that in three weeks' time there will be another high seldom recording containing a message of the utmost importance regarding the recently successfully concluded crisis. That's very important. Right. Now, don't add anything, no matter how many questions you're asked. Will they believe it? Doesn't matter. It will confuse them, which is all I want. Between wondering if it's true and what I mean by it, if it isn't, they'll decide to postpone action at least until the vault opens. I'll be back considerably before then. Ah, here we are. Well, goodbye, Lee. Goodbye. I hate to leave you in the frying pan like this, but there's no one else I can trust. Don't worry. Now, please, keep out of the fire. Ah, oh, there you are. Oh, are you enjoying all this? I'm afraid that it is a trifle noise. Well, on the contrary, Your Highness, it's all extremely interesting. We have no comparable spectacles on television. No doubt. Well, would you care to come to my private chamber? Oh, yes. It would be a little quiet. Glass of wine? Thank you. Here you are, Hardin. Thank you. Lepo the first, king of Anacreon. And soon to be emperor of the periphery. And further, who knows? The galaxy may even be reunited someday. Undoubtedly. By Anacreon. Why not? With the help of the Foundation, our scientific superiority over the rest of the periphery will be indisputable. Well, yes, except that, of course, the Foundation's bound to help any nation scientific aid. 
Due to the high idealism of our government and the great moral purpose of our founder, Hari Seldon, we are unable to play favorites. But the galactic spirit helps those who help themselves. I quite understand that left to itself, the foundation would never cooperate. Oh, I wouldn't say that. We repaired the Imperial cruiser for you, even though my board of navigation wanted it for research purposes. Research purposes? Right. Yet you would not have repaired it if I had not threatened war. Oh, I don't know. I do. Look here, Hardin. You were on an Anacreon once before. You were young then. We were both young. But even then, we had entirely different ways of looking at things. You're what they call a man of peace, aren't you? I suppose I am. At least I consider violence an uneconomical way of attaining an end. Yeah. I've heard. For myself, I've always believed in carving a straight path to my objective and following that path. I've accomplished much that way and fully expect to accomplish much more. I know. I believe you're carving such a path for you and your children, considering the unfortunate death of the late king, your elder brother, and the present king's precarious state of health. He is in a precarious state of health, is he not? You might find it advisable, Hardin, to avoid certain subjects. You may feel that your position as mayor of Terminus gives you a certain license. But you are wrong. I'm not one to be frightened of words. It's been my philosophy of life that difficulties vanish when faced boldly. And I have never turned my back upon one yet. I don't doubt that. And what particular difficulty are you refusing to turn your back on at the present moment? The difficulty of persuading the Foundation to cooperate. Your policy of peace has led you into making several very serious mistakes. Not everyone is as afraid of direct action as you are. For instance? For instance, you came to Anacreon alone and accompanied me to my chambers alone. And what's wrong with that? Nothing, except that outside this room there are five armed guards ready to shoot. I don't think that you can leave, I have no desire to leave. Do you then fear me so much? I don't fear you at all. About this may serve to impress you with my determination. Or shall we call it a gesture? Call it what you please. I shall not concern myself over the incident, whatever you choose to call it. I'm sure that that attitude will change with time. But you have made another error, a more serious one. It seems that the planet Terminus is almost wholly undefended. Naturally, what have we to fear? We threaten no one's interests and we serve all alike. Yet, while remaining defenseless, you allow us to arm ourselves with a navy which, since your donation of the Imperial cruiser, is quite irresistible. Your Highness, you're wasting time. If you mean to declare war, in informing me of the fact, you will allow me to communicate with my government at once. Sit down, Hardy. I am not declaring war, and you are not communicating with your government. When the war is fought, not declared, are informed. The Foundation will be informed of it in due time by the atom blasters of the Anacreonian Navy. When will all this happen? The ships of the fleet left Anacreon exactly 50 minutes ago, at 2300 hours precisely. And the first shot will be fired as soon as they sight terminal which will be at noon tomorrow. You may consider yourself a prisoner of war. 
I am disappointed. Is that all? I would have thought that the moment of coronation, midnight, would have been the more logical time to have set the fleet in motion, but evidently you wanted to start the war while you were still regent. Would it have been more dramatic the other way? What are you talking about? I've set my counterstroke for midnight. You're not bluffing me. There's no counterstroke. If you're counting on the support of the other kingdoms, forget it. Their navies combined are no match for ours. I don't intend firing a shot. It's simply that the order was given a week ago that at midnight tonight the planet Anacreon goes under interdict. Interdict? Every priest in Anacreon is going on strike, unless I countermand the order. But I can't while I'm being held incommunicado, nor do I wish to, even if I weren't. Do you realize, Your Highness, that an attack on the Foundation is nothing short of sacrilege of the highest order? Pah! Save that nonsense for the mob. My dear Finest, whoever do you think I am saving it for? I imagine that for the last half hour, every temple in Anacreon has been the center of a mob listening to a priest exhorting them upon that very subject. There's not a man or woman upon Anacreon that doesn't know that their government has launched a vicious, unprovoked attack upon the center of their religion. You'd better go to the Grand Hall to watch events. Yeah, I'll be quite safe here with five guards outside the door. Silence for the Prince Regent of Anacreon, His Royal Highness, Prince Vinus. People of Anacreon. It is almost midnight. The time has at last come for me to relinquish the regency. I present to you your king, Leopold I, by the grace of the galactic spirit, king of Anacrea. congratulate you upon your coronation. Thank you. Arden, order your priests back to their jobs. Order them yourself, Vice. At this moment, there isn't a single wheel turning on an acrium. There's not a light burning, except in the temples. On the winter half of the planet, there's not a calorie of heat, except in the temples. Not a drop of water running, except in the temples. The hospitals are taking in no more patients. Power plants have shut down. All ships are grounded. If you don't like it, Vice, you could try ordering the priests back to their jobs yourself. Very well, Hardin. I will. If it's to be a showdown, so be it. We'll see if your priests can withstand the art. Tonight, every temple on the planet will be put under supervision. Very good. But how are you going to give the order? Hmm? 
Every line of communication on the planet shut down. The only communicator on the planet that will work outside the temples, of course, is the televisor right here in this room. And that is fitted only for reception. If you wish, you can order your army into the Argoli temple just outside the palace. And then use the ultra-wave sets there to contact the rest of the planet. But if you do that, I'm afraid that the army contingents will be cut to pieces by the mob. Then who will protect your palace, Vinus? And your life, Vinus? Make an old outcharm. Let the mob howl and the power die. When the news comes back that the foundation has been taken, the mob will find out in what a vacuum their religion has been built. And they will desert the priests and turn against them. I give you until noon tomorrow, Hardin, because you can't stop my fleet. They're on their way, Hardin, and at their head, the great cruiser you yourself ordered repaired. Yes, the great cruiser I myself ordered repaired, but in my own way. Huh? Tell me, Vinus, have you ever heard of an ultrawave relay? No. Well, switch on the televisor, and in about two minutes you'll see what it can do to your ship. Oh, would you care to sit down, Your Majesty? Oh, Vinus, do sit down. Who are you? What are you doing on the brink of my ship? I am Theo Adverat, one of the senior priests of Anacrium, and I wish to address your crew. Tend to yourselves and your blessings, priests. I'll attend to the ship and its crew. Very well. Restrain him, then. Don't listen to him, man. For reception, you know. What do you think you're doing? Get your hands off me this instant. He is our priest, Admiral, and we must obey him. And I am Silence! Silence! Listen to what I have to say. Silence! Open all communication channels for me, will you? I wish to address the ship. Communication channels open, Your Reverence. Thank you. Soldiers of the Royal Flagship, it is your priest, Apparat, who speaks to you. Your ship is engaged in sacrilege. Without your knowledge, it is performing such an act as will damn the soul of every man among you. Listen, it is the intention of your admiral to take this ship to the foundation and there to bombard that source of all blessings into submission to his sinful will. And since that is his intention, I... In the name of the galactic spirit, remove him from his command. The divine king himself may not maintain his kingship without the consent of the galactic spirit. No, this is absolute rubbish. Oh, The blessing of the spirit is removed from it as well. In the name of the galactic spirit, I curse this ship. What's happening? The ship is paralyzed. Paralyzed? What do you mean? The chief characteristic of a scientific religion is that its curses really work. A priest on an Acreon operates an ultra-wave relay, and a ship in deep space, fitted out by the Foundation, of course, is rendered helpless. What a curse. I know, order, that the one-time Prince Regent Fridays be imprisoned. What? and tried before an ecclesiastical court for his crimes. Rubbish! Otherwise, the Navy, upon returning to Anacreon, will blast the palace to the ground and take whatever other measures are necessary to destroy the nest of sinners! 
and the den of destroyers of men's souls that now prevails. There is an old fable, as old perhaps as humanity, for the oldest records containing it are merely copies of other records much older. It might interest you, Highness. A horse, having a wolf as a powerful and dangerous enemy, lived in constant fear of his life. Being driven to desperation, it occurred to him to seek a strong ally. Whereupon he approached a man and offered an alliance, pointing out that the wolf was likewise an enemy of the man. The man accepted the partnership at once and offered to kill the wolf immediately if his new partner would only cooperate by placing his greater speed at the man's disposal. The horse was willing and allowed the man to place bridle and saddle upon him. The man mounted, hunted down the wolf and killed him. The horse, joyful and relieved, thanked the man and said, Now that our enemy is dead, remove your bridle and saddle and restore my freedom. Whereupon the man laughed loudly and replied, The hell with you. Giddy up, Dobbin. You see the analogy, I hope. In their anxiety to consolidate their position of total domination over their peoples, the kings of the four kingdoms accepted the religion of science that made them divine. But that same religion of science was your bridle and saddle. For it placed the lifeblood of atomic power in the hands of the priesthood, who take their orders from Terminus, not from you. You've killed the wolf, but cannot get rid of the harness. So I'll finish you yet. You won't escape. Soldiers, shoot him down. They are wiser than you, Vines. Shoot him down. Kill him. Uncle, he's the figurehead of our religion. He's divine. Daniel, then, give me a blaster. Uncle. Poor Vinus, a man of direct action to the end. The last refuge. Ah, you look very worried. What's wrong, Doctor? I thought you wouldn't get here. Selden's due to appear at any moment, isn't he? I certainly hope so. And what if he doesn't? Are you going to wear me down with your worries all my life, Lee? If he doesn't, if he doesn't. But without Selden's backing for what we've done, Sermat will be free to start all over again. He wants outright annexation of the Four Kingdoms and immediate expansion of the Foundation by force, if necessary. He's begun his campaign already. I know. A fire-eater must eat fire. He only has to kindle it himself. And you, Lee, have got to worry, even if you have to kill yourself to invent something to worry about you. God, honey, you were right. He is going to appear. Then have some respect for Zelda. Be quiet for a little while. I am Harry Seldon. This is the second time I have been here. Of course, I don't know if any of you were here the first time. In fact, I have no way of telling by sense perception that there is anyone here at all. That doesn't matter. If the second crisis has been overcome safely, you are bound to be here. There is no way out. 
If you are not here, then the second crisis has been too much for you. I doubt that, however, as my figures show a 98.4% probability that there is to be no significant deviation from the plan in the first 70 years. You have now reached domination of the barbarian kingdoms immediately surrounding the foundation. Just as in the first crisis, you held them off by the use of the balance of power, so now, in the second, you have gained mastery by the spiritual power as against the temporal. However, I must warn you here against overconfidence. It is not my way to grant you any foreknowledge in these recordings, but it would be safe to indicate that what you have now achieved is merely a new balance, though one in which your position is considerably better. The spiritual power, while sufficient to ward off attacks of the temporal, is not sufficient to attack in return. Because of the inevitable growth of the counteracting force known as regionalism or nationalism, the spiritual power cannot prevail. The neighboring kingdoms, in manpower and resources, are still overwhelmingly powerful when compared with yourselves. Beyond them stretches the vast, tangled jungle of barbarism that extends around the rim of the galaxy. Within that rim, there is still the galactic empire, and that, weakened and decaying though it is, is still incomparably mighty. And never forget that there was another foundation established 70 years ago, a foundation at the other end of the galaxy, at Star's End. Gentlemen, 930 years of the plan stretch ahead of you. The problem is yours. He didn't say when he'd be back. I know. But I trust that he won't return until after you and I are safely and cosily dead. Foundation. Foundation and Empire. Second Foundation. Author, Isaac Asimov. Audio adaptation, Patrick Tao. Part number two. Part title, The Mayors. Salvo Hardin, Lee Montague. Johan Lee, John Hollis. Vinus, Francis de Wolf. Seth Sermer, John Sampson. Verisoft, William Fox. Leopold I, Teddy Scully. Theo Apparat, Michael Kilgariff. Doka Walter, William Slay. Hardy Selden, William Eagle. Encyclopedic Readout, David Baller. Producer, David Kane. Location, BBC Radiophonic Workshop.